0: Advantage is the premier provider of non-traditional work, advocacy, and resources while pushing the boundaries of athletic training. Follow them on social media at The Advantage and join their email list for an even deeper dive into all things non-traditional and access to even more boundary-pushing content. Hey everyone, welcome back to Reframe the Game. I am so excited that you're here. I am really looking forward to this to this episode, uh, because we're going to talk about cultivating your community uh, and, and those people around you, those people who are in your group, those people who support you, those people who challenge you, those people who who force you to grow when you don't want to grow, those people who have your back when you just need someone to have your back, right? That 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 group of people who are just your people, and I think I want to start out with why I chose the definition of cultivating your community. I chose the word cultivating because cultivating is a process. It's not a discrete and 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 one-time activity. It's a process that requires you to, to kind of plant the seeds of your relationship. It requires you to it it requires you to support. It requires you to prune. It requires you to fertilize. It requires you to water, It requires you to harvest. It requires you to, to identify if what you're cultivating is a weed or if what you're cultivating is what you desire. And if it is a weed or if it's something that's undesirable, or you know, it's time to move forward in a different direction. You're able to remove that person from your community. Uh, it doesn't have to be out of malice or hate or, or any, any any negativity, right? Simply maybe you've grown on from that person or that person's grown on from you and is no longer part of your support or challenge community. And and it's it's you have a responsibility to release them, if you will, from from the community, uh, for yourself, right? And, and that's more of a mental shift, as it as opposed to a I'm releasing you from my community, right? Like it, it doesn't have to be some formal process of of kind of of kind of pruning your support group or your challenge group and your community to um, to develop. Uh, Kind of t- to maintain and develop your your community, and then I use the the term community because I'm not talking about a click of people, right? This isn't just a a click of people with similar interest. That's a click. That's not a community. And when we think about a a, a click, right? Oftentimes we may we may have clicks of people that we. Are you know affinity groups that we that we spend our time with, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? But a community serves a different purpose than a click, right? I would say that a click or a group of supporters uh, is likely going to be have a place in your community, but too often we fail to realize that we need to have not only our supporters, but we need to have challengers within our community in order for us to grow and, and not simply kind of get sucked into the vortex of of, a comp, of like congratulating each other, right? Um, and, and in that we, we all may feel good, it may feel like a little, a great place to be, but it's not really helping us grow and, and we're not actually cultivating. Right, that's like a that that's a group of people to support you. That's not necessarily a community to help you grow. And so, you know, when we so I think when we break that down, there is intention in the words cultivating your community Uh, because you know because the words we use words to construct our reality. And if we were to use words like create your click or create your group, right then we we're we're suggesting or i'm suggesting that this is a one-time thing that this is static and that some of the attributes that that move people into your group or into your community are affinity towards one another and that's 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 not entirely accurate. Yes, of course, you're going to have some affinity towards people uh, in a in a, in a social or community group, but it certainly is not the only uh, requirement for for it shouldn't be the only requirement for why someone could be in your community uh, or or your support or your challenge system. So, when we think about this, uh, you know i I think athletic trainers do a great job of creating clicks or creating affinity groups and you can see the number of affinity groups that exist not only within the you know the professional organizations of athletic training but also outside of the professional organizations of athletic training right and I think that's been one of the most awesome things to see in social media is the creation of affinity groups of people of like-minded individuals um, who are you know, Joining or or getting together and creating creating um, conversation around specific topics, I think that is absolutely fantastic. But that's not really what I'm talking about here today. I'm not talking about affinity groups. I'm not talking about uh, you know groups of people who are in a club or uh, you know a part of a an alumni group or anything like that. What I'm talking about is how an individual can create a community for themselves and not everyone in that individual's community has to be in another person's community right so i'm talking about how you as an individual can cultivate a community for yourself with an understanding that there may be individuals who are not who are not shared among other people in your group so for example. You could be in, you could have an individual in your community, but they may not necessarily be, have you in their community, right? There are certain circumstances where that may, where that may happen, right? Um, So like membership of the community is not required to be reciprocal and nor should, nor should it be right? because this is a, a community dedicated to you. it's a community that you're cultivating and you're curating for you to grow and and for for you to or I guess maybe even communities for you to grow within and and throughout. So you can become and and you so you can become the best professional you can while also supporting what you value personally, right? And so when we look at this, I think these are really important in, in athletic training or in healthcare in general, because they, they, they provide a sense of belonging. And they, but, but, but more than belonging, they provide a sense of hope, optimism, growth, opportunity. They provide all of these things, mentorship, right? Um, teaching, learning—they they, they provide a, 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 so many resources or so many uh, different things that it, we often look for affinity groups. or so we look for professional organizations to provide "quote unquote" community when we're looking for support, right? Or we're looking for people with similar interests who we can talk to. Um, and, and that's not again, that's not necessarily what we're talking about today. We're talking about an individual carefully cultivating and curating a a community of supporters, of challengers, of mentors, of individuals who can help move you along the path of whatever career trajectory you have decided that you would like to be on for this period of time. And of course, career trajectories can can change, career aspirations can change. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But in, when, when those shifts happen, the community that you're curating or that you're cultivating will probably shift as well, right? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And I think I want to start by or, or continue really when we talk about this, the, the concept of community. And I think I believe it's Adam Grant in his book Originals. He talks about this concept of having a support group or a support community, as well as a challenge group and a challenge community, um, as as kind of key components of any individually crafted community that you are trying to create for yourself to uh generate a culture of growth for yourself and and opportunity for yourself and you know the the support community are those people who are there to support you like un like unwavering support like i got your back no matter what right like someone You perceive that someone did you wrong or you perceive that someone was in the wrong and your support community or or a support person in your community would be like, yeah, you're absolutely right. There is no way. There's no other way to see this. This is the only way it is. And you're right. They're wrong. And that's just what it is right like that makes you feel good inside but it's not actually objective and you, you you know you're not actually breaking down the conversation and saying or breaking down the situation and saying well is there is where is the responsibility is is, is it shared responsibility which it most likely is shared responsibility in most uh, interpersonal react, interpersonal interactions uh, that that it's not one person is right and one person is wrong But we need sometimes, we, we, we need those people in our lives to help bolster our ego, to help us feel like we are justified in believing what we believe, and to help motivate us and move us forward in some of the times where we're really challenged and we feel unmotivated or we feel like we're a little astray. We need those people, we need those cheerleaders, if you will, in our lives to encourage us to move along, and we, when we need that encouragement in our lives, that's what our support group is there is is there for. And then he goes on to explain a challenge group as a group of individuals who are still committed to your growth, or you've you've in, you've in, you've invited them, or you want to have an interaction with them because you are interested in your own growth, and they're interested in your growth too. But they help you grow through challenge right they help you grow by perhaps shooting down some of your ideas they help you grow by forcing you to see the other side of the of the coin by forcing you to objectively view the situation from a different perspective that's what the challenge group is there for and and sometimes the challenge group doesn't feel you know you, you may not go and have some sort of big community bonding event because that's not what they're designed to do that's not why they're in your community right oftentimes when we think about this let's 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 kind of take a step back regardless of where you are if you are in professional education or post-professional education right now you can just be in your present moment if you've graduated from professional or post-professional education and athletic training let's go back to when you were in school right and we can kind of look at this community that you created um at at a time that at a time when you were committed to growth but you also needed support so you could look at your faculty or your preceptors being your challenge group right they were individuals who you 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 had good relationships with for the most part right you respected them you respected what they had to say they understood some of the context of your, at least your professional life, right? They may not understand the context of your personal life, but that's not what they're there for either, right? And when you would try new things or you would push up against uh, an unfamiliar situation or a boundary, they would provide the friction back to really force you to think about how you think, to think about what you think. Maybe they're there to role model the way, and serve as an influencer in your life, uh, particularly from a preceptor's perspective, like here, here's how you can do it. And, and then you, you, you started to adopt some of the behaviors, wh- whether they be clinical behaviors or interpersonal behaviors from them, But then you also had those people in your life, maybe it was your cohort members, maybe it wasn't members of your cohort, maybe it was your friends or your family, but you had those people who you'd go to after you, you maybe didn't do as well on a exam or a test that you planned on doing, right? It was a little less than what your desired outcomes were. And they were there to support you. They were there to say, it's okay, right? You got this. Or if there was an interpersonal conflict where i don't know your preceptor said no you can't go to this wedding or something and you really wanted to go to this wedding and you felt like my preceptor was totally wrong for telling me i can't go to this wedding and and all of these things right like that's uh, you know and, and and then your friend group or your your support group would say yeah that's totally right that's you, you know it's not right it's not okay that they did that and we should really you know you should fight this and, and all of those things. Right. So those, those people who just always have your always have your back. And when something comes up, they're like, okay, yeah, let's, let's fight this. Let's, let's be on your side. Let's support you through this difficult challenge. Right. So that was an example of, um, of, a, a you know, a support group and a challenge group in your community that you had created usually by, not by choice i mean yes it was your choice to select that college or it was that choice that you selected that university or that training program or like the the program you chose to pursue your athletic training education right but but that was the structure kind of forced it on you right where you had these people who were who had the job right The, the job of developing you and moving you from being a athletic training student to being an athletic trainer and to prepare you for what that means, whether that be your faculty, your preceptor, you know, you know, older students in the program, whatever it may be, right? You th- That was their job, that was their role in your community. And then you have your support network whose goal and role was to support you through the difficulty or the times when you're lacking motivation or passion or vision or purpose and you're you're kind of feeling a little lost and that's what their that's what their role was to help you get through some of those difficult times where the challenge group was challenging you and you had to kind of soul search and you had to soul search and go inside of you and say that yes I really want this and you just determined to go forward with whatever the studies or whatever the challenges were and you know I think many of us had that when we were in our professional or post professional programs. And then when we left our when we left those and we entered the profession of athletic training officially, right, our challenge group fell off. Right, so now we have this support group. We have this support group that's like, yeah, go get it. That's the way to do it, right? And oh, I got your back. Yeah, that person's wrong. You're right, totally. That's just the way it's supposed to go, right? So we had this strong support group because you've developed these friendships. You developed other. You've developed relationships. Maybe you strengthen relationship with your family or friends, or you developed new relationships with some of the individuals who are in your cohort or within your program. And they they continue to support you and you continue to support them throughout the entire process as well. Um, so as we enter the profession, we have, a, we, we, we still have a strong support group and now we've lost our challenge group and, and without both, right. Particularly in, in a community of growth without both, it's really, it's, it's easy to create a blind spot. It's easy to kind of create a an echo chamber of I'm right, I'm justified, this is the way it is, this is the way it always has to be. And if anything ever changes, right? Like or if I ever grow or if I ever do anything or or if I if I want to do something else and it's not supported by my friends or my family or my support group, then it must be wrong. Right. Like it it kind of creates a trap. Because without the challenge group, the the external the external friction that's needed for growth is no longer there. Or at least it's not there in a in a way that's consistent. The, and and so then we, we start having conversations about mentorship. We need more mentorship and athletic training. We need you know, we need to connect older professionals, whatever that means. We need to, you know we need to connect more experienced people with less experienced people, right? And I think that all of those uh, the, the idea of mentorship, I think mentorship is critically important. But I think sometimes the rationale for mentorship is to try to create a, a, a challenge group when, um, because the challenge group has kind of exited from our lives as as we exit formal education at whatever level that is, and we, without curating or without cultivating a new challenge group, we're, we're left in, like I said, in this kind of echo chamber, and it's really easy. It's It's easier to get spun up in the vortex of the people that you're currently around right? And, and the, the people that you're currently around are all supporting you and it feels really good. It feels like a warm blanket and it feels like, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be. But then eventually you get tired of that, right? And then when everyone gets tired, now the support network has become a complaint network and all everyone's doing is complaining. But because of the nature of your relationship, you're trying to support one another. So you support one another by also commiserating with the other person. And then you can see how the cycle continues, continues, and continues. And now you have a group of people who are commiserating about challenges as opposed to actively seeking solutions. And when we try to actively seek solutions, we're almost self sabotaging ourselves by going back to the same group of people who we're using to commiserate with. Because the role of that group from a, from a social context is or the role of that community from the social context is to commiserate with you and is always to keep it, it, it it's not intentional, right? I think support groups are critical. They are critical for sustained growth and success. But when it's unbalanced or when it's one-sided and there's not the challenge group to provide to insert new perspectives into that really, in this into that dynamic it can create a a vortex or a cyclical, um, process that's really challenging to get out of. And so going back to mentorship, right? Like we, we, there's been so many initiatives within athletic training to, to try to create mentors and mentorship models in the profession of athletic training. And many of them have, uh, I don't know the latest statistics, but I would, I would guess based on my own personal experiences and the experiences of the individuals that i engage with in different communities and that of which I'm a part of is that they've not become widespread adopted and they've not been successful on a large scale right we may have you may have one or two relationships that last or you know it it it's You know, we, we, there are probably examples of success stories, but success stories are the exception as opposed to the rule. And when we think about this, it's, it's not that far-fetched to see the connection between the, our desire to create a challenge group and replacing the challenge group with a mentor but i think a mentor plays a different role a mentor plays a role of providing experiential context to a career path or to a specific aspect of an individual's lives and perhaps provides them thought-provoking questions and specific tools to implement so they can grow or they can have the opportunity to grow in that area but if there if there's no challenge group which challenges those ideas specifically right that really force each that force the individual to question their beliefs or what they've created or the ideas that they have or the perspective that they're taking in this situation then the mentorship relationship will fall short as well and i think that's why we see a lot of mentorship relationships fizzle because there i think there's all sorts of other things going on like unclear expectations uh and unclear investment on both ends of of what what each are giving and what each are bringing to the profession. Like I think often or to the conversation, to the relationship, oftentimes I think that we view mentorship as a one way street and a one way transactional relationship where the mentor is supposed to provide information or knowledge or wisdom or impart wisdom on the mentee. And that's, and then the mentee says, thank you. And supposed to go. And and the the ultimate reward for the mentor is if the mentee goes and, you know, does great things. But in reality, any mentorship, mentor-mentee relationship is very similar to any other relationship that we have in our lives. There has to be investment and qualities that each person can bring into the relationship, right? So if, if a mentee doesn't know what qualities or assets or skills that they can bring into the relationship, what, what value they can add to the mentor and, and have some skin in the game, it's unlikely that the relationship's going to work out. And likewise, if the mentor is doing this out of professional obligation, or someone else said this would be a good, good idea, or they haven't identified what skills, assets, or value they can add to the relationship, it can fail right? So so when we talk about challenge groups and we talk about the absence of a challenge group after professional education and trying to solve that with mentorship, while it's a really good idea, right? it It, it falls short in execution. And I think the evidence can be seen in the lack of widespread adoption of a mentorship program, right? Mentorship is often individualized. Mentorship is often, often comes by happenstance when you find someone that you connect with at both on both a personal and professional level and you both can understand the value added by you continuing to have a relationship right a challenge group is different than that right a challenge group in your community is a group of people who think differently from you and you actively seek them out and you, what, and and so you talk, you 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 find people who may be thinking differently. So maybe you work in a college and university setting for athletic trainers, and you have a pretty set schedule. You have a pretty set way of doing things, and the community that you're working in, or the patient panel, the the, the university, the college, whatever it is that you're working in, have pretty set ways of doing it. And and the reason they do it that way is because that's the way it's always been done. It may be helpful to have individuals who are outside of that setting to serve in your challenge group to challenge you to think about a different way of doing it, right? Like, for example, you know, one example that I see where a challenge group could be helpful to an individual, particularly if they're struggling with, let's say, life, they're struggling with life. If you've heard my previous episodes on life work balance or life work integration, you know, you know, my, some of my thoughts on that, but if they're just struggling with life and how to figure it out and how to manage their time, you know, in integrating a challenge group of individuals who, who simply live in a different world from from the perspective of different settings in athletic training can be really helpful so for example in physician practice by and large every interaction is scheduled right there are no unscheduled interactions in a physician's office yes there's always emergency emergency visits or or, or things that pop up but by and large every interaction is scheduled they, they, people know who's coming in they have X number of minutes with them. This is what their role is, et cetera. But sometimes in college, university or secondary school setting, you know, one strategy we always hear is we'll create a scheduling system or have your patient schedule. And then the, the immediate resistance is, I just can't do that. Like that's just not the way it works. Well, why doesn't it work like that? Right? And that's really that's the goal of the challenge group is to sit down and have those really tough conversations about why you think it doesn't work and why it could work, and what are some strategies that could make it work, as opposed to just sitting in your support group, hearing this idea of, of creating a scheduling system for the patients that you work with, and then immediately saying, oh, no, that will never work. And then everyone's like, yeah, that's never working. You know, that's, that's some idealistic belief that some people have, but it will never happen because of X, Y, and Z. And that's just not the way the patients that I work with manage their time. I have no control over my schedule. I have no control over my facility, blah, 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 right? Whatever it is, you get in that, you get, get caught in that circle. And then what do you end up doing? You end up reinforcing the belief that you already had that it wasn't possible, which makes it more impossible for it to happen. But if you live, if if you have this challenge group and you're willing to engage your challenge group and individuals within your challenge community at the appropriate time, and you approach a situation where you're not going to your support group, but rather you're going to your challenge group and talking to them about the challenges that you perceive exist in a secondary school or college and university model, and trying to have a scheduled day for patient interactions, right? Or at least for a portion of the patient interactions. When you do that, perhaps you can find a, a solution. And again, it's probably not gonna be a hundred percent patient interaction or patient scheduled patient interactions, but it also doesn't have to be a hundred or 90% unscheduled interactions. It doesn't have to be sit around and wait for something to happen, right? There's probably a compromise and there's probably a solution that you could generate by leveraging your ideas, your challenge group, and the support of your support group without, without tossing out one of the, you know, one of the sides or, or, a couple of the sides of the, of the argument, right. Or of, of the, of the perception of that will never work with me. That will never work with the patient population that I work with. Right. Every time we do that, we're self-sabotaging, particularly if we see that as a solution. But when we say well, that will never work, we are, and then we go to our support group and we look for affirmation from that support group and they affirm at doing exactly what they're supposed to do as a support group. They affirm that, 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 you that will never work. We're we're not actually solving the problem. We're self sabotaging and creating more barriers for us to solve the problem. Although even though the problem may not be idealistic, right? It, it, the The ideal solution is that you schedule every patient interactions. You work from eight to four thirty. You don't work on the weekends. It, it, maybe that's the solution, but that is also could not be the solution, right? Um When you do that, but but if if when we're, when we're there, when we're in that space, we're not giving ourselves the opportunity to look for something new and look at something from a different perspective. And that's how we can really generate original ideas that can serve as a solution for us in our lives. And right now I'm talking about very specific athletic training related challenges, but this doesn't have to be athletic training related. It can be related to, you know, things in our personal lives, you know, asking advice, not only from your support group, uh, but also from your challenge group, so this is the reason that having a support group is or a challenge group is so important. so how do you how do you find a challenge group? right? Like, okay, Kent, you talked about going and finding people to challenge the way I believe, but how do I reach out and actually and actually do this? You do it by putting yourself out there and making connections with individuals who think differently than you do. And identifying what ways they do th- they, they may think differently than you do, and not shying away and not turning off the conversation when you meet people and saying, "Oh, well, you know, it'd be really nice to talk to you about some of this stuff, but you just wouldn't understand, right? So I think sometimes we cut off relationships because particularly when we face challenges, and we say things like, "Oh, you just wouldn't understand." Uh, or it's really hard to explain. You know, it's it, it, it it's not really hard to explain. You can explain it, and someone else can empathize or at least understand, try to understand it the best of their ability, and provide a different solution. But when we say those things, we're saying we don't want to hear the solution. We don't want to hear what this other person has to say because I'm not interested in creating a solution for myself. And so we then 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 you know we go back to our support group and we affirm that. But when we but so so creating a challenge group. Is about specifically looking for people who are thinking about maybe athletic training specifically. I've, I'm, we're gonna we're gonna use athletic training throughout this, but this can be know that although we're talking about athletic training, this can be any aspect of your life, right? You look for people in the world, right, and in the, your professional network who may not be part of your your community, right. You may know them, you may know of them, but you look for these individuals who seem to have some of the things that you're desiring. Maybe that is better time management in life, the ability to spend the time, their time, energy, and intention on the experiences, growth, and contribution that they want to when they want to do it. Right? Maybe it's that. Maybe it's individuals who have mastered or seemed at least on the surface, seem to have seemed to be thinking about a different way to do documentation, or a different way to integrate manual therapies or a different way to integrate patient reported outcomes into their into their clinical work and they seem to have it together. They may not have it together, but you don't know that until you start to have a conversation with them. Or even better, you learn that they don't have it together, but they're trying to do that. So you start and you create a, you you, you start the conversation and you, you simply talk to them. And some of this requires, you know, the ability to, re, in the world of social media, the ability or, or email, and everyone has an email and most of their emails are posted online with wherever they work right reaching out to these individuals and simply acknowledging and saying hi you know i i I respect i see i've seen from a distance the work that you're doing and i really respect that i'd love to just sit down and have a conversation with you right or like if it's someone that you've known or you had used to have a relationship with and now you don't have a relationship with them maybe you went to grad school with them and it's been several years or something like that right like you can always reach out and say, "Hey, how you doing? So and so, I haven't seen you for a while, but I've been following your your journey on social media. I really love what you're doing with manual therapy, um, and I'd love a chance just to just sit down and talk to you and see how you're integrating this." Right. So you start. So initiating the conversation is the hardest piece, right? Because once you've had a connection and once you create that connection and you create the conversation, now the conversation is ongoing, and now it's easier to come back to. Um, in terms of, you know, having that person to challenge your ideas. And what you may find is when you're in incorporating and you're, you're engaging with these individuals, one, you may find that they're they actually probably are more of a supporter of you as opposed to a challenger because they tend to agree with everything you say, right? And they're not challenging some of the ideas that you have, um, or where they're not they're not making you feel, Uncomfortable, and when I say uncomfortable, I mean like they're challenging some of your beliefs about way the way the world works, or the way uh, athletic training can work, or the way documentation or manual therapy can work. Right? If you're not feeling that discomfort, they're probably more in line or neutral, or more in line with your support with your support group or your support network. Um so if they are making you feel or making you question some of the thoughts or beliefs you have about a certain aspect of athletic training then that's probably a good sign that they are that they may be helpful to you in uh in, in your challenge community a- another way you can do this and i think this is the way that i developed much of my challenge community is attending conferences or listening to webinars about individuals speaking, right? I find a topic that I know I'm interested in. And when some of the things they discuss challenge my beliefs, and I know that it challenges my beliefs because I have some self-awareness like this, this feels uncomfortable to me and I don't know how to approach it. And so I I, I want to shy away from it. So that's those are signals. Those are those are signals for me that this is something I probably need to lean into. And then it's then at the end of a conference, you know, at the end of the speaking engagement, reach out to them, exchange business cards, and then actually follow up, right? And that's a great way to start the conversation. And these individuals don't need to know that they're in your challenge group or in your support group. Just like you don't go to people who support you and say, "I'm really happy you're in my support group." Right, you may go and you may say, "I'm grateful for you," or "I'm grateful for our friendship," or whatever, whatever it may be. You don't have to say, "Um, "I want you to know that I'm putting you in my challenge group." Like I'm going to place you in this special group of people categorization in my mind that you're in the challenge group. It comes with no pay. It comes with no, it comes with nothing except for an occasional thank you. So if you want to put it on your resume, go ahead. No, like you don't have to do that. Like when we talk about creating community, this is, this is what I'm talking. This is what I was kind of referring to at the beginning. This is not some sort of club or affinity group. It's, it's really an individual construction of resources and people in your life that you're constructing and making connections with for you, not for anyone else, right? You're creating, you're cultivating this community for you. You're not cultivating this community to be in a clique or a club or an affinity group or anything like that. It doesn't need to be public. It doesn't need to be like, hey, join the Kent Games affinity group, right? There are uh, are totally needs for affinity groups. Right, there are totally there. There are needs for that, but this is not about that. This is about your own personal growth, and and, and individuals within the community don't need to know that all the other all the other individuals in the community. Essentially, you're creating a group of people that you can go to, or at least start a conversation with when you're looking to grow at at various times. Right? And, and you have to activate both the, both the community or the challenge group as well as the support group in, in, in cultivating this community. And you know it's not just about the, it's not just about the challenge group. It's not just about the support group because some of the things that you do need are actually mentorship, right? Some of the things that we need in life are mentorship. I have multiple mentors for different things in my life, right? And some of them are athletic trainers. Some of them are not. I've had mentors that are no longer my mentors before, right, or that are no longer my mentors, and that's okay. I, I have no ill feelings or ill will towards any of them, right, it's simply I needed specific growth and help in this specific area, and these mentors serve that purpose, and now we're not there anymore. And I'm still friends with them, I'm still I still have relationships with them, but their role as a mentor They're still humans and they're still, they have, they're humans in my life, but they're not, they don't serve the role as a mentor. And so it's, you know, in, as you cultivate your community, it's not just about cultivating a support group. It's not just called about cultivating a challenge group and having both those together. It's also about seeking out mentors. And when you're seeking out mentors, as I alluded to before, because you are the one that's responsible for this and you are cultivating this entire community for you right this isn't part of some professional organization initiative this is for you the individual to to grow and and to position yourself to grow in the best way that you see fit right so before you reach out you need to do your research on individuals who may be interested or you know who you're interested in having as a mentor and then looking at what they do looking at how they've contributed because usually there's some aspirational goals of maybe following them in that career path, right? There's some role modeling that you you admire about them. There, there's some quality that you admire about them that why you're thinking about. I I really would love some mentorship from this person, right? So first of all, you just got to be honest and identify that, and then find what they're working on, to and, and see how they've contributed, and then you have to look at yourself and say, what ways can I add value to their life? What ways can I add value to their work or their professional career? And that can be really hard, right? Particularly if you're an early career professional and you haven't quite identified where you add value, right? I think athletic trainers in general have difficulty have difficulty in the discussions of how we add value to an organization but how could you add value to an individual i think we are pretty good at that right we talk about the individual patient interactions etc but we have to move beyond the patient and beyond our clinical skills in what we can add value with maybe you are really good at social media and you notice that this person is trying to create an online presence right they they're trying to post more or something like that right? That can be a way that you could serve as a mentor to, to them, right? Because they may see you as a potential mentor. Yes, you are less, quote unquote, less experienced in athletic training, but you also have more experience and have more skills and talents and abilities in something that you're really get at social media, whatever, whatever it is, right? You have to look towards yourself in being able to, and being able to articulate that when you reach out. And then when you reach out again, does this happen via email? Does this happen? Um, does this happen at a conference? That all really depends on what your comfort is, what the nature of the world is. If we're in a, you know, if we have another surge of COVID or, or whatever is going to come next, that's going to force us into virtual conferences again or, or whatever it may be. Um, I think there's a lot of contextual things that you have to be aware of. That I can't. You just kind of have, kind of kind of have to have some common sense. Uh, in terms of what the best mechanism to reach out is, right? If you listen to John Rulin, who is, he's an author and he has the book, uh, uh, he, his book is Giftology. He talks about uh, investing in gifts, right? As ways to demonstrate values, but not just like some random uh, a pen with your name on it, or or some random pen, but it's about in it's about researching the the individual and finding about what they value, and then providing them a gift of value as a, a, a way to essentially engage them in a business in a business relationship. Right um, now, whether or not you need to follow that, it, I, I don't personally think so, unless you have a relationship and you're looking for some, you know. Cause some of these, John in his book, he talks about some of these gifts that cost $20,000, right? I don't know if I'm ever gonna give 20, 000, a $20,000 gift to anyone, right? Um, I wish I could, but I, I, I'm not there yet. Um, but it's about, it's kind of, it's again, it's about making these offers and these connections about adding value. So John, he talks about maybe he, he personally, right? Couldn't add value to uh, another person right but he can find something that they do value and that can be the basis of their relationship and then he can better explain and better understand how maybe his skill set could add value to the skill set of the person he's trying to seek out to be a mentor or have a business relationship with so uh, th- that's a strategy another strategy and i i in, in the dat program at indiana state we have an activity where we people walk through this mentorship development process And then we have them send an email and sometimes it bounces back and nothing happens, but other times there's been great mentorship relationships that have been developed, right? Um, sometimes it's it's starting a conversation at, it's starting a conversation at a conference. And I think that's the other thing we we're so concerned about labels. Like this person is my mentor. This person is not my mentor. When in reality, I have mentors who have no idea they're my mentors and i'm sure i'm people's mentors and i don't know i'm their mentors right like we're we're so concerned about identifying the relationship and what it is that we forget that it's just communication and connecting with another person and how that person adds value to our lives and how we add value to that person's lives right you can have mentors from a distance and i think that's one of the great things about social media that's one of the great things about books because you can get 20 30 years of life experience and mentorship experience in 200 pages right you can get 10 you can get decades worth of knowledge and wisdom distilled down into a couple hour read and uh you know th- and those individuals can be your mentor right like one mentor for me i have in my life is jesse itzler i have i have seen him speak like three times and i have met him once we hiked up a mountain for like i don't know 200 yards together. And that, those, that's been the extent of my formal relationship with him. Um, but I have found ways to learn from him, to grow with him. And I hope that next time we get the opportunity to interact, whether it be at a speaking engagement of his, at one of his events that I've invested in, that we'll get a chance to interact again. Does he know he's my mentor? Probably not, right? I'm probably just some random person to him right but for me being able to learn and 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 gain insight from his experiences and his teachings that he has publicly available has been tremendously valuable so i cont- i consider him my mentor and you then i talk about what what ways do you add value to him right i think part of it is sh- sharing his message whether that's through this podcast or investing in products or services that he sells uh, you know, supporting his business, if you will, uh, in ways that, d- that align with, with what I'm looking for, um, being his customer, uh, is a way that I add value to him, even though I probably couldn't give him, I probably could give him some life advice. I don't know what value it would add, add to him. I, so my value is added in this specific way, right? So if you think about that, Mentorship is not about the formal definition of the relationship. It's about communicating and connecting with people who you aspire, who have a career path or a trajectory or some aspect of their life that you connect with and you have an aspiration to move towards. So now that we've talked about cultivating your support group, cultivating your challenge group, cultivating a mentor, a, ment- a mentor, or mentors, multiple mentors, let's talk about the pruning part right but let's end this conversation by talking about the pruning part. Sometimes there's times in our lives partic- and I find this particularly true with our support group some, simply because of the the nature of, the, of of a support group or support people in our lives is much more intimate than the nature of mentors or challenge challenge group individuals and and that makes it more difficult to cultivate. Right. If I didn't want Jesse Itzler to be my mentor anymore, I'd simply stop following what he had to say. Right. Pretty easy. If I didn't want to seek out challenge from someone or, or I or I felt like this specific instance didn't require a challenge network for or challenge challenging from X person, I simply wouldn't reach out to them. Right. But our support group is really where the difficulty comes. And Sometimes we have to end those relationships we have because it is more of a formal process because then people, if you don't interact with someone, they may start asking questions like, are you mad at me? Are you upset with me? What did I do to you? I thought we were friends. I thought everything was good. And now all of a sudden you're not responding to my texts, right? Like, like that is, that is a far more difficult process than, um, cultivating your mentor, your mentor group or your challenge group because oftentimes we do have personal relationships beyond professional relationships with, with these individuals. And, you know, does it always have to be this like formal interaction? No, it does. You don't have to have like this formal breaking up with a friend or breaking up with a colleague, but there, it, there is likely a conversation that has to happen, right? That is, you know, Thanks. I really respect you. I really respect what's. I, I I appreciate all that you've done for me. But I think I'm going to move forward in a different direction. And I hope that we can cross paths a, a, along the line. But I'm choosing to grow in this way. And um, you know, I want you to have a role in my life. But it's it. I I or I don't want you to have a role in my life. And here are the reasons why. <clears throat> That's a really difficult conversation to have. But and and I'm not saying it's easy and and most people won't have that conversation. They'll just ghost them, they'll just stop responding. They will just move forward or they'll find a way to end the relationship in another way. But if you are able to have that conversation, you can you know, create a boundary and maybe they they don't even have to maybe they can be in your they maybe you want them to be your friend but you don't want them to be in your support network right like i really love and care about you but i don't want to talk about work stuff with you anymore right like and then you can focus on your personal part of your relationship you don't have to focus on the work or 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 work you again if you want to be a little more If you're, if that makes you anxious, then you simply stop bringing your complaints to that person. You connect with them in an honest, in an honest way, but you simply don't bring them your complaints. You either keep your complaints to yourself or your challenges to yourself. And you talk to another member in your support group or your support network, um, or your support community. And then you simply just enjoy, a an interpersonal relationship with this person that doesn't involve complaining to the other person about whatever it may be. And I think that that any of those strategies work. but how how you choose to navigate that is really up to you and where your comfort is and where you are at on your own personal journey, right? Like I, I for me, the early on in my journey, the easiest way to do it was I, I avoided people right? I just avoided the conversation until they eventually fell off of my radar. They stopped investing. I stopped investing. Okay, we're done, right? And that that was unsatisfying because I really did care about people as humans, um, and I didn't have any relationship with them anymore, not just work relationship. Um, and then I transitioned to me making a change where I simply stopped complaining to people. I stopped complaining to people who I didn't want their advice from, Um, where I didn't want them to, to kind of, cause I knew that they would trigger me to get more spun up in the vortex, if you will. And so I simply stopped complaining them and got to connect with them on a whole new level as humans. And that was fantastic. And I'm still great and still interact with these individuals on a regular basis. Um, but it's, it's, it's a different type of relationship. It's not about complaining. It's not about work. It's not about looking for support. It's just about being a friend and being a, a human with another person and then there have been sometimes i would say not as often um not as frequently where you know i've i've kind of just had to have and people have done this to me too right like like i th- they myself i like i want to shift the i want to shift our relationship right and then what ultimately happens is we we go our separate ways but at least we know that it's not out of place of disrespect and it's not about something that I did or something that they did. Rather, it was simply, it was simply from the perspective that we weren't serving each other in a positive way, even from a friendship perspective and, and out of respect for both of us, it was the best decision to kind of move forward and, and alter the trajectory of our relationship to essentially professional acquaintances, uh, as opposed to a friendship with a professional colleague. So, you know, there are a variety of ways, a variety of ways to do that. But I I know we've spent a lot of time today really diving into how we can cultivate our community, but I think it is so important for us as athletic trainers to find, to move past the idea of an affinity group or just a support group or just like a rah-rah click or something, Uh, you know, whatever we want to call it. Like, I don't know what you want to call it. I think those are important, but we have to be looking for other ways to connect with other people in the profession, because what I fear is happening is that we are generating echo chambers within our profession of people who are like-minded. And so what's happening is instead of growing by integrating great ideas that all of these people have, and really having the difficult conversation that needs to happen right? And the difficult conversations that need to happen. What we're doing is rather returning to the support group, turning to people who have the same ideas and beliefs as us and strengthening our ideas and beliefs and becoming more immovable in our beliefs and more stuck in our beliefs. And then, you know, regardless of whatever decision anyone makes it's the wrong decision. Right, because we're unwilling to turn around and have a conversation about how do we improve and move forward the profession in a way that addresses some of the really difficult, e- extremely difficult conversations we have to be having. And, and we're not doing that right now because everyone's turning into their affinity group or they're turning into their kind of click and reinforcing their beliefs, reinforcing their thoughts, their feelings about us, any, any number of specific challenges that are facing the profession right now, as opposed to turning outward, working on developing relationships with people, and then having the difficult conversations of challenging our own beliefs and challenging other people's beliefs in order to come to the best solution to move us all forward and from a professional sustainability piece this is i believe this is critical right we have to be able to have these difficult and navigate these difficult conversations and these challenges because we're continuing to isolate ourselves in our beliefs and thoughts and feelings about specific issues in athletic training as opposed to turning outward uh towards each other and and, and working through and sitting in a room and having really hard conversations so we can try to develop a compromise or a solution that uh, that allows us all to exist and allows us all to thrive and allows us all to move forward uh, so collectively we can be a profession that others want to join and we can be a profession that others find value and worth within. So I hope that you've enjoyed this conversation today. i certainly enjoyed it. I've got a lot to think about. I got to go reach out to some people uh, and have some have some uh, conversations uh, with some of my challenge group and some of my support group after this conversation. But I hope that you've enjoyed it. If you if you if you know another athletic trainer, or another healthcare provider who needs to hear this, please make sure that you share it with them. Please make sure that you are sharing this on social media. If this, if this episode spoke to you, uh, we want to increase the, the message. We want to increase the word about this podcast, uh, because I believe it's so important for as athletic trainers to develop as a human, as well as an athletic trainer, as we move forward to face more difficult and challenging situations. We've partnered with onlinetherapy.com, that's online-therapy.com, a complete counseling toolbox where you get the support and tools you need to be happier, and it's all based on cognitive behavioral therapy. Head over to opportune.at slash That's opportune.at slash online therapy to get started for free and enjoy 20% off of your first month of therapy.